Undercovered. Because some stories just need to be told. Others told more. A few told more fully. Or perhaps in a different way. If not in another light. Welcome to Conversation about some of the stuff that's just Undercovered. This is Undercovered, the podcast with Ben Kimpo. Father Sam, you're involved with the causes for sainthood of Cebu's Archbishop Teofilo Komomot, as well as that of others. So let me ask you this. What is sainthood and why is it important for the church? There's a call on the part of the Lord, be holy as my, he- my heavenly father is holy. So each and every one of us is being called to that. That is our vocation to become holy here and to become saint afterward. In fact, one of our candidates for saint, Father Hinaro Fernandez, an Augustinian recollect, uh, made us a phrase. He said, if I were not saint, what for? So for him, sainthood is a, a, our main goal in this world. And uh, because that is being a, a call from the Lord. So how shall we respond to this? That is precisely where the causes of a, a canonization comes in. How a person can respond to this call of holiness. And, we'll, and we have the different examples of these people who are now declared saint. That after all did not, shall we say, not do so great a thing. But the only thing is they did it with so much love. Behind all their work is always charity, is always love. And it was being done in a heroic manner. That is what we have to be proving as we come up with the virtues of these people. That they practice this virtues expected from each and every one of us in a heroic manner. So there it starts. Uh, all this, all these processes go around this invitation of the Lord that we are all to become holy, that we all uh, to become saints. That later on, after our pilgrimage here on earth, we will end up there in His uh, kingdom, which He is uh, where He is waiting for us, and which He has prepared for us. Now, going further, how can? Um, cause of canonization be started, how can one become a candidate for this? We already know what is the purpose for that, uh, uh, shall we say, for that candidacy, holiness of life. Now, how can one be qualified for this? First, it is after his death. Five years after his death, the process can already be started. But that process can only be uh, started uh, with these condi- conditions. First, he must have lived a holy life, a fame of sanctity while he was still alive. That is to say, while he was still here on earth, many people were already considering him to be a saint. That's why when Mother Teresa was still alive, how did we call him? How did we call her? A living saint. Okay? Because of the life of sanctity that could be sensed by people around him. They would, they would always say, I am near a saint. I can see a saint in him or in her while still alive. So, a fame of sanctity while still alive. Second, it is a fame of sanctity during death, during the funeral. Remember, when Pope John Paul II died, so many people 
were there in the Vatican. When they heard about his death, many people started going to Vatican, even flowing from somewhere to be able to attend the funeral. And uh, during the, the wake, so many people were wanting to see him. <coughs> and afterwards, during the funeral proper, after the Mass, they started shout shouting, Santo Subito, Santo Subito. They want him to be canonized because <coughs> they could already see a saint in him. But more than that, um, after death, this fame of sanctity still goes on by people going to their tomb. I was still there in Rome when uh, they were processing the cause of a uh, Pope John Paul II. He was buried in the crypt of the uh, of a uh, Saint Peter Basilic Saint Peter Basilica in Vatican. So many people will, were going there just to visit the tomb. And many people, upon going to Rome, upon visiting Vatican, they would immediately ask, where is the tomb of Pope John Paul? So as you go there, pilgrimage by groups, by a large number, were passing by his tomb. That is to say, his popularity even after death. And this popularity after, uh, after death is more, shall we say, encouraged by the favor they were already receiving. Huh? As they visit the tomb, they would say, we receive uh, a favor. I ask for a favor, and effectively, I receive it. Here in the Philippines, we have the example of uh, Archbishop Kamomot. When he died, in the pictures, we could see a lot of people from the, from the church down to the cemetery during his burial. And after having been buried, many people would still go there. And they would profess saying that they received favor uh, or they received the favor they requested through his intercession. It's not him who grants it, but he's the one who prays for them before the Lord. That's why they approach him. So what is being required? Uh, fame of sanctity while he's still alive. Fame of sanctity during the funeral, during death and Fame of sanctity after death. That's to say people are going there to visit the tomb. With this, uh, we, can we can present or uh, a candidate, uh, a person can be presented as a candidate. And this uh, process starts first in the, in the diocese where he died. No, not where he lived, but where he died and where he is buried. Who are the key players involved in this process? The very first one who will be moving will be the author. The author is the one who asks uh, that this be opened. If the candidate is a religious, then it will be his superior, likely to, to be the major superior, the provincial or the general. Or... If it is in the, uh, the diocese, it may be the, the bishop himself who will move for the, uh, for, uh, for the opening of the process. Okay? Now, after having that, when we call that uh, libellus, petition for it to be open, when there's already the author, the author will assign somebody who will be the one to move. In that case, in a, case, a civil case, we would say the, the, uh, the lawyer, 
the lawyer here, here and the causes of saints is called the postulator. He is the bridge between the bishop and the author. Who, the bishop who will be the one to move for the process and the author who asks that this be open. So the key uh, figure here would be the postulator. When the bishop already approves for, it, for its opening, the bishop has to compose a tribunal. The tribunal is made up of first the uh, judge delegate because the work of the judge delegate is to examine the witnesses. For sure, the bishop cannot attend to that with the many pastoral uh, duties he has. So he delegates that to the judge delegate. Okay. Then with the judge delegate, there will be the promoter of justice. The promoter of justice is he sees to it that the law is followed. Or we would say the devil's advocate. No, uh, he, he will see to it that everything is done. Uh, usually, what is done is does is he looks for a loophole, loophole to pinpoint that one. No, so contabida will say. And furthermore, so we have that uh, in the tribunal we have the judge delegate, the promoter of justice. Then afterwards, the uh, secretary, the one who takes note of everything. Okay, so that's the one. Then uh, they, are, they are the ones necessary. And with that, there will be uh, the postulator will present who will be the witnesses, the witnesses to uh, whom the judge will be examining. So these are the key factors for a, a process to move on. Okay, we, we've discussed how, uh, who can be a saint. Uh, we've, we've discussed who the players are in this process. So tell us a bit about the process itself. How does it play out now? When the bishop has already asked uh, for the nickel obstat of Rome, although he can open it without that one yet, but he cannot close it with the, without the nickel obstat. That is to say the, the opinion of uh, the congregation for the causes of saint. Once that is done, the, the bishop will declare that uh, this process uh, will be open. He will indicate the date. When will that be done? And that opening is actually the first session already. That is the time when this, uh, when the tribunal will be, the members of the tribunal will be convoked to, to make their oath, oath or, of fidelity or of doing the work that is entrusted to them. And uh, with that, uh, there will be the, the, the bishop himself who will make the oath. There will be the judge delegate. If ever he delegates to someone, then there will be the uh, promoter of justice, the uh, secretary or notary, we call it, then the postulator uh, who will make their oath. Together with, the, with them, there will also be the members of the commission of theologians who will examine the documents, and the uh, commission of historians who will gather the documents. That, uh, As far as the historians are concerned, uh, they have to see to it that they will not pamper, tamper any of the documents in favor of the cause. So, okay? so these are the ones that will be convoked, and usually the opening is a solemn ceremony being held uh, in the in the presence of the public, for them to know that there's already such a thing going on, and so 
during the opening ceremony, the postulator presents the, a list of possible witnesses to be examined. Okay, so with these possible witnesses, the, uh, the judge will indicate the date when they will be called. They will be informed when are they supposed to present themselves before the tribunal. So each it's a, 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 a witness will be uh, examined as far as the virtues are concerned, as far as the life of uh, this uh, candidate is concerned, and other things which, we may, which may be of interest uh, for the cause to move on. Father, just a couple of things there. You earlier mentioned that uh, you early made, made a parallelism between a cause for sainthood and a case, like 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 a, a trial. In a sense, you're you're describing pretty much uh, a TV drama or a courtroom drama, which which we see on on TV or in the movies, right? Yes. You present yes. a witness. They will be uh, they will be put put to the stand. The setup is also the, is actually the same. The same. There is the the judge. You will uh, the witnesses before the judge and. There will also be the promoter of justice, and there will be the secretary who will be attending uh, to, to this uh, uh, interview, as we call, uh, when uh, this will be when when this will take place. Does all of this take place in the locality of uh, or in the diocese where that person, the candidate for sainthood, died? At at any point, does it actually go to Rome? Okay. Uh, this takes place in the uh, diocese where the candidate died. Take, for instance, Kamomak. Kamomak died in Cebu. So the interview was done there in Cebu. In the, uh, uh, most of the interviews were done in the uh, Arzobispado, the office of the, the, the bishop, or, or in the, uh, tribunal, uh, the tribunal of the archdiocese. However, there may, uh, there may be some witnesses who do, who do not live in Cebu, and it will be inconvenient for them to come. Like, for instance, Kamomot was first an auxiliary bishop of Haro. So there were witnesses who were from Haro. Instead of letting them go to, to Cebu, the tribunal itself went to Haro and had them uh, interviewed in the Archdiocesan uh, uh, Chancery ladder. As, as they used in chancery, so did not have to go to Cebu. Afterward, Kamomot was also signed as a, assigned as coadjutor bishop of Cagayan de Oro. There were also witnesses from there. Instead of them being called to Cebu, the tribunal went to Cebu, uh, to Cagayan de Oro, and they interviewed the, uh, the witnesses in the chancery of the Archdiocese of Cagayan de Oro. So not necessarily that they have to go there, not even to Rome. I've heard of of uh, a diocesan phase and a Vatican or a Roman phase. Tell us about that, please. So when the uh, when the process is already completed in the, in the diocese, that is to say, when all the witnesses have already been uh, examined and all the documents have already been uh, presented by the uh, historians and there, there are other 
things to be done, like for instance, to make copies of this, there should be three copies of all. And to make these three copies, there's also somebody who he's supposed to be assigned for that, that he will not tamper. So he has to make an oath that he would be, he would copy it faithfully. Uh, and all those pages will be signed. When all these things completed, three, uh, three copies. One is the original, which will remain in the archdiocese or in the diocese. The other two will be brought to Rome. Okay, will be brought to Rome to be presented already to the, uh, to the congregation for the causes of saint. So in the closing ceremony, uh, that's why that's also another solemn act. In the closing ceremony, there will be somebody who will be assigned to bring these two copies to Rome. Usually, it is the postulator who, who brings that to Rome. Okay? So when he, with the closing, ends also the diocesan phase. Now start the Vatican phase. But uh, in the diocesan phase, there may be a postulator only for that. And there will be another postulator for the uh, Vatican phase, okay? The Roman phase. Uh, the postulator for the Roman phase in the Vatican usually is required to stay in Rome, to have a residence in Rome. Huh? Because uh, negotiation can easily be done. Imagine if the postulator is here, is in the, and the postulator is here in the Philippines. He has to go to Rome for anything to be corrected, to be completed. Uh, it will be a hassle. So they always ask that the postulator should stay in Rome. So in a sense, Father, it's like having one lawyer for the diocesan phase, and then having another lawyer or another postulator. For the Roman phase. That is the practice. However, they can get a postulator who is already uh, a Roman postulator. He can act in the diocesan phase. As in my case, I was, I was already assigned in Rome. Postulator General for Augustinian recollects. Uh, in that case, I could, um, when I was requested by those courses, by the authors of those courses here in the Philippines, I acted both for the diocesan as well as for the um, Roman phase. So during the diocesan phase, we work, I work, I, 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 I dictated to them what to do, but I usually assign a vice postulator who will work here locally and in coordination with me. And when everything is already set, I come and work it out with him and bring it to Rome. And when I'm in Rome, there, I act already as a Roman postulator and for whatever I need in the Philippines, I would contact this vice postulator. A while ago, you, you mentioned a few terms which, which are probably familiar to us because they're, they're mentioned every now and then. But please uh, contextualize these uh, for us. You mentioned terms venerable, beatification, canonization, and then miracles needing to be performed so please tell us because a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the process of sainthood actually deals uh deals with that putting together uh you know getting to a next step and then requiring certain certain miracles to be given to that to, to be able to make that next step so Tell us, when does one become a venerable? When does, become, when does one become beatified? When does one become canonized? And what are the requirements for each step in, in that process, Father? When a cause is started, 
and that they use some process, that person becomes uh, a servant of God. Okay? The process goes on. The Yusan process, as we mentioned earlier, and after that one, when the Yusan process is, is completed, it's brought to Rome for the Roman process. And Rome will examine whether the, uh, the Yusan process has followed uh, the requirements uh, for a, a process to be done. And when the, uh, the Yusan the process is approved by, the, by Rome, by Vatican, then it will be granted the decree of validity. That is to say that the Yusan process is valid. When the Yusan process is already declared valid, then uh, the position could be started. The Vatican will assign a relator. A relator is like, like the one who directs a thesis. Position is just like a thesis uh, with, with a, a title of this, Kamomot uh, practice virtues in a heroic manner. Okay, so there will be the director of the thesis we commonly uh, hear, but in Vatican, it's called the relator, relator of the, of the position. And the relator will have its own uh, collaborator uh, who will actually be the one to write, who will be the one to write the position, the, the collaborator. So the position is to prove that this person practice uh, virtues in a heroic manner. So every virtue has to be proven there according to the documents, according to the testimonies. Okay, When this is completed, it is presented to the Vatican. I don't know if this is in the video, it will be this. If this is in the video, this is the position. Uh, this is the whole process, no? Uh, so this is a work. To be done, and this is being presented to the uh, to to Vatican to the Congregation of Courses of Saints, where it will wait for its turn to be studied. As I was saying earlier, it may be it may take sixteen years, or or just immediately depends on where it comes from or the reason for it to be anticipated. Once this is done, uh, the first ones to study this will be the theologians. Okay, thirteen theologians. And they will say, yes, approved. Okay, once approved by the theologians, it will go to the Congress of the Bishops and Cardinals. So they will also study. And they will say, yes, approved. And with that, the prefect will go now to the, to the, to po to the Pope and present it. We have already approved this. And the Pope will confirm and say that this person uh, indeed practiced virtues in a heroic manner. Once that is done, once the virtues are approved, there he will be granted the title of venerable. And venerable, Father, means God, venerable. Okay, from venerable. Now, he, now being a venerable, there's a need for miracle, for miracle, one miracle, uh, for him to become blessed. And when the beatification takes place, another miracle after beatification for him to be canonized. So blessed and afterwards canonized, saint. Okay, so these are the processes. All right, Father. Uh, thank you for clarifying those steps. So again, servant of God, venerable upon confirmation, and then upon a miracle, you become a blessed, and upon another miracle, you can become a saint. Saint, yes. All right, and and the step 
to making you the last step to making you a saint is a is a ceremony called the canonization. Yes. Right. And before that, in making you blessed, that was the beatification. Yes. All right, Father. Let me ask you this now. What is the difference between a saint and a martyr? And let's take that definition two ways. Defining, I mean, defining it in terms of uh, you know, the the work that that one does that merits you being named a saint or a martyr, and the other is the process that one goes through. Okay. We mentioned the beatification, okay? The, uh, as far as declaration of martyrdom is concerned, it has to be proven that this person a defended faith, uh, uh, stood in favor of faith, even at the expense of giving his own, giving his uh, life. For martyrdom, it has to be proven that he accepted death uh, in favor of his faith. He was asked to renounce it for him to be saved, but he did not renounce. Rather, he preferred death uh, instead of renouncing his faith. So that has to be proven that indeed that is what happened. So many times people would say, uh, shall we say, uh, witnesses would say, when he was about to be executed, he was given a chance to renounce, but he did not renounce. And at the same time, on his way to martyrdom, he was thanking God, he was singing. He was encouraging his companions not to get not to get discouraged, and he was even saying, uh, "You can kill my body, but you cannot kill my soul." In fact, I'm happy because the moment I die, I enter heaven. So those have to be proven that he stood in favor of his faith. Okay, once that is proven through uh, through the witnesses, and at the same time, he approved by by the Vatican. So first by the the theologians, the same also process, theologians, uh, the bishops and cardinals and, and the Pope will say, yes, he, indeed he, he defended faith uh, up to uh, the moment of death. He will be declared blessed or martyr without, without a miracle anymore. In the normal way, if it is virtuous, there should be miracle before beatification. But the declaration of martyrdom is already a beatification. Okay? okay. Now, for him to be considered a saint, there is a need for miracle, for, for canonization. So as far as martyrdom is concerned, all that is to be done is to prove that he died a martyr's death. That will be the beatification already. No more, no miracle. But for him to be canonized, uh, there should be a miracle needed. Uh, like Pedro Calunso, uh, yes, Pedro Calunso, uh, that a, a baby who was already declared dead, but the mother would not accept to, uh, accept that death. He prayed and prayed to Pedro Calunso. He was only beatified by then, uh, declared as martyr. And when they presented this cause, it was approved. And precisely because of that, he became a saint, was declared a saint. The causes Saint Mother Teresa... Yes. And and uh, Saint Pope John Paul, they were yes. done in 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 quite a speedy fashion. Yes, and and many causes that we're familiar with are still, in a sense, uh, they're still ongoing. 
How long do these causes or, or, or these processes actually take? As far as uh, Pope John Paul is concerned, as far as uh, Mother Teresa is concerned, we already saw uh, their sanctity of life while, while they were still alive. Uh, take, for instance, uh, Pope John Paul. Uh, the cause should start five years after the death, whereas Pope John Paul, I think, started in the second year of his death. He was exempted by Pope Benedict and uh, as far as the waiting years is concerned. Instead of five, in the in second year, it, the course was already open. Why? Because uh, the popularity demands for it. Huh? He is so, I mean, the, the sanctity is so clear that there's no need of waiting for it anymore. The same thing also with Mother Teresa. Um, she was a very, she was considered a saint while alive. Be because of her person, or be because of her work. So Pope John Paul also exempted her. I think in the third year after her death, the cause was already open without waiting for the fifth year. And when that was, when the cause was open, uh, it was also a speedy one because uh, the the witnesses were uh, were uh, adviso adviso in the sense that. They live with him. They live with her. Uh, so it's not a, not a historical cause, but an actual cause, an actual cause in the sense that they knew him or knew her personally. So the cause was easy. Okay. So when the Deusant processes were completed, both for Pope John Paul and Mother Teresa, what happened? They presented the cause, and immediately, since it's clear, nothing is questionable, it was approved. They, the heroic virtues were immediately proven and they became venerable. And immediately they made a miracle. Pope John Paul immediately had a miracle which was needed for beatification. And Mother Teresa also had a miracle uh, needed for beatification. And with that, they were beatified. And immediately, soon after, there was another miracle for Pope John Paul and also for Mother Teresa which were needed for them to be canonized. So in less than 10 years, they became uh, blessed and afterward saints. So these are exceptional cases in the sense that by their life, by their death, and after the death, they were really saints. Uh, no question on that. However, there are some candidates who are not that clear. And give you an example, we have a candidate for sainthood. It's already the 18th year, and we, he is not even approved yet for uh, uh, to be venerable. That is to say, the heroic virtues are not approved yet. Huh? Why? Because in Rome, there's a long list of uh, applicants for sainthood. Be uh, whatever part of the world, uh, especially for Europe. So with that long list, you have to wait for your own turn, and your turn may be 10 years after, 10 years after, unless it's an exceptional cause, like for instance, Pope John Paul, exceptional, so why wait still? They let him jump uh, as far as number is concerned. As far as Europe is concerned, since there are so many candidates for saints, what happened? They have to wait for their turn, unless they already have a miracle. Because if there's a miracle, so they can advance uh, because there will be no need of waiting. They can immediately be 
blessed or they can immediately be saint. But if there's no miracle, they have to wait for their turn. That's why I told you uh, one of our candidates has been there for 16 years and not moving yet. No, not moving yet. However, in countries like Africa, um, uh, Asia, or United States, or even Eastern Europe, they may advance the, uh, the process of a candidate. Why? Because there are few saints. There are few saints there. So they, they do not have to wait for that long. And every year, there's a, there's a space for them, one or two, which could be advanced. And that is what happened to, our, to the case, for instance, of, uh, uh, okay, one of our causes uh, in the United States, uh, Bishop Alphonse Gallegos, in three years' time, uh, his cause, his heroic virtues were approved simply because it is the United States. It is, they have few saints. And here in the Philippines, we have also Mother Rosario Arroyo. We did not wait for long because immediately we asked that the, the course be studied and they attended to it. They give in, they give her a space or they let her fill in a space that res, that's reserved for special cases because she is a Filipina. Okay? And that is what we are now trying to do as far as Kamomot is concerned. We have just finished the Positio. Positio is uh, a, a, a book where we prove that he practiced virtues in a heroic manner. We have just finished it. We have just presented it to Rome. And we, we also sent uh, a letter, the possibility for this to be studied, that if possible, uh, if ever everything goes well, he be declared venerable within the 500 years of our celebration. I mean, the, of our celebration for the 500 years, next year or year after. Because after all, he came from Cebu. So that those are exceptional cases because of some, shall we say, reasons. Take, for instance, Gallegos, as I mentioned to you, our bishop. His cause was a, a speeded. First, it's because he was an American. And uh, at the same time, we also told the congregation we will be celebrating the 25th year of his death. Is it possible for this to be studied? So, of course, they granted it because there's a reason for that one. So if there's a reason, it can be advanced. But another possibility is where this cause came from. So if it came from Africa, likely to be uh, uh, anticipated. If it came from, the, from Asia, Philippines, or Eastern Europe, or America, where there are few candidates, then the, the causes could be anticipated. Father, just a couple of questions related to that. It seems to me then that... Uh those living closer to, to the modern era, to, to our times right now, they do have an edge in a sense because a lot of these, the evidences document uh, of, of, the, of the, what they say, of what they were saying, of, of their preaching, of their acts, these were all probably recorded and uh, better documented than those, let's say, of uh, those who were living uh Two, three, four hundred years or five hundred years ago, do they have an edge? Do do the modern day candidates have an edge, so to speak, because they have, they have more, they have a better chance of getting all of their records and documentation sorted out properly, rather than those, and and their witnesses may still be alive, rather than those who lived 
two, three, four, five hundred years ago? Yes, we have two kinds of uh, causes. Modern causes with with the shall we say many of the witnesses still alive, and the historical cause, historical causes wherein they are already dead. They have been dead uh, in the 18th century, the 16th century, 19th century, wherein uh, practically there are no more living witnesses. So, of course, the historical uh, causes are quite difficult in the sense that there should be, uh, we will, uh, we based our uh, uh, document, uh, our uh, uh, argumentation on the documents. They are more documental. Uh, whereas the modern causes, we base our argument on what people say, who, people who may have lived with them, people who may have known them uh, directly. So it's much easier, much easier. Yes, it's faster. The historical cause uh, has a lot of requirements. First, it has to go through the commission of histo historians in Rome. They, uh, the Congregation for the Causes of Science have a committee of historians who will go through all this. If it is well, I mean, if the guidelines for the historical presentation is well followed and the historical com commission will demand documents, documents, that is the reason why we have, for instance, Mother, uh, the, the Talangpa sisters, sister Mother Dionysia and Mother Cecilia, they lived where, when in the, the 18th century, and there are no documents. Uh, people who talk about them, they talk about what they have read already, a book which was written 10 years after their death. That's why it's difficult, difficult. We cannot come up with things wherein we do not have something basis, uh, something written as our basis. For that, there should be more documents. That's why when we... They go to the Vatican about them, about this cause. They will always ask, they will always tell us, uh, where are your documents? Where are your documents? Huh? So the sisters could talk about their life, but what they talk is what they have heard. But there's no basis. There's no yeah. basis. Hearsay. That, 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 that's and, and that's the sad part. You know, I, I've actually read their story and and. I'm I'm fascinated with with uh, with the story that the Lagpas sisters and and more importantly their legacy right now because in a sense you know uh, what they started is now you know uh, a, a global organization and a proudly Filipino global organization that's of course uh, part of the Recoletos community and well it, it's just a bit sad that they came they came from a time where in you know no social media not much documentation happened and many of these things are sadly they were just passed down through word of mouth and not much recorded history about them exists yes that's true that's true that's the difficulty that we have with regards to this cause of the of mother cecilia and mother Dionysia. Versus that uh, they died immediately. They did not stay long for them to be able to have written something. Like, for instance, the, the uh, mother Consuelo Barcelo of the, of the uh, Agostinian Sisters of Our Lady of Consolation. She died. Uh, I mean, she was also of the past century. But the only thing is, uh, she stayed long as a superior. She has written a lot. 
and they are the basis for uh, for the documentation. They are the basis for the argumentation about her sanctity. Father, apart from San Lorenzo Ruiz and San Pedro Calungsod, I want to ask you this. Are there other saints who spent time in the Philippines or worked with and for Filipinos? I, as I I'm familiar that with uh, from your order, the Order of Augustinian Recollects, you have San Ezequiel Moreno who spent time in Las Piñas, in Capo, in San Sebastian, and in Palawan, and as well as uh, the OFMs, the Order of uh, the Franciscans, San Pedro Bautista, who spent time here in the Philippines as well. Are there any others like them? Yes, we have the Martyrs of Motril. We have martyrs who stayed here in the Philippines. They started their missionary work here until they were called back to uh, to, to Spain, and they, uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, they were sent to that place and Motril where, during the Spanish Revolution, and they were taken. They were shot huh, because of their faith. No? So yes, there were, and there were other two who also stayed here in the Philippines, precisely here in Pangasinan. The, um, they went. They were sent to Japan, and in Japan they were martyred. Father, let's take the case of San Ezequiel Moreno because, well, you're familiar with him, I'm sure, as as he's uh, from your order, the Order of Agustinian Recollects, and and he's he's quite known. He spent 15 years here in the Philippines. And uh, where we are, we always introduce him. And we celebrate that August 19 as Feast of St. Ethical. And we uh, propagate him as a patron saint for those who suffer cancer. So in almost all the, if not, if not almost, but in all the uh, churches, in parishes, especially uh, administered by the Recollects, Saint Ethiquiel has a place. He's always introduced, and it's being celebrated with novenas, with the solemn masses, with procession. And outside the Augustinian Recollect churches, he is also being considered. In, in, in Santa Cruz, Manila, you mentioned, he has a statue there. He has an image there, and now he has a, a beautiful shrine there in Paranaque, a Saint Ethiquiel shrine. I imagine to be given that. Uh, and also in Manila, there's a church which is not being run by us, which, also, which is also dedicated to Saint Ethiquiel. So, not, there's no need of saying uh, a Filipino, but it is more a devotion to him by the Filipinos whom we have known him. And, there, and I think devotion is increasing as uh, we go on propagating him to be patron saint for cancer because many people are now are suffering of cancer and they are looking for somebody to whom they could ask for help. And it's Saint Ethiquiel and they would say that yes, they have received a favor from Saint Ethiquiel. Father, again, we've got two saint, two Filipino saints right now, San Lorenzo Ruiz and San Pedro Colomsod. Based on your knowledge, how many Philippine-based causes for sainthood are now currently going through the process and and if you can would you know uh, where we where we stand in these causes as far as i'm concerned i have four causes one is a ma mother a rosario arroyo who is already venerable and we talk about a miracle is it not 
we have a presumed miracle, alleged miracle that happened to a sister. And the 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 process has already been done. It has already been presented to the to Vatican. And now we are trying to print already the work. God willing, perhaps a month from now, we'll be able to complete everything already and present it to Rome for them to study whether that is uh, indeed a miracle or not. And if it is considered a miracle, then we have uh, another blessed. Okay. Then we have uh, uh, Kamomot, whom I mentioned that uh, his, uh, his uh, position is already presented to Rome. Okay. Then we have Bersosa from Vigan. Uh, we are still working for the for the the Eastern process has, has been com completed. Uh, we are already in a Roman process, and we are now writing the positio, still working on that. And another person who is not a Filipino, but he died here, is uh, Monsignor Aloysius Ward, the founder of the Girls Town and Boys Town. The body is he, although he's not a Filipino, an American, but he died here. And he is buried in Bigaa Silang, the place of the uh, Sisters of Mary. Uh, so the process was held here in, in the Philippines, Manila, through Cardinal Sin. And now it has already been approved. She, he is now a venerable. We are just working for a miracle to come out. So far, I have these four. But there's Monsignor Ubiar, who is already a venerable. Uh, the cause is being handled by the sisters themselves of the congregation. Then we have also Mother Ignacia uh, and another Francisco, uh, Mother Francisca de, de, de Espiritu Santo of the Dominican Sisters of, uh, of Sierra, uh, Siena. Okay, so this, uh, this one so far. I know, and of course, the, the, the candidate for martyrdom uh, there in Mindanao, whom you have worked for. Thank you, Father, for mentioning that. That was uh, the cause for martyrdom of Padre Francesco Pagliola. Now, Father, uh, because you've been involved in, in, again, you mentioned all of these causes that you personally are involved with, and I'm sure there will be more causes uh, in the coming months and years, what would your advice to the teams behind these causes be? How do they improve the chances of their causes progressing? What should be done is uh, gather the documents necessary. Uh, gather the pertinent, pertinent documents. So, for instance, if there's a priest, uh, what has he written? Uh, uh, the, the, shall we say that teaching he may have done. But most especially, give you an example, we have a candidate of sainthood in China. He suffered the persecution. He was a bishop. Uh, a persecution as a priest was uh, imprisoned. And afterward, when he came out, he went on as a priest, uh, trying to, 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 to hide himself. But afterwards, the people asked, we're asking for a bishop, and he was made also a bishop. And he had a good relationship with the government, but of course he cannot practice openly. He, shall we say, lived a very difficult life, but he was a very holy man. So uh, the general asked, when I was still in Rome, they asked, he asked me, why don't we start the process for this? I went to the congregation, uh, to the 
the Propaganda Fide, which is being headed by uh, Cardinal Tagli now, but by then he was not cardinal yet. So I asked the Chinese department there the possibility. He said, never do that. You will be persecuted. And besides, those people who are there will also be persecuted because that will be an insult for the communist regime to come up with a saint in their midst. So no. However, the prior uh, of, that, of that province to where the uh, China, the, uh, our apostolate in China belongs, told me, how about asking now people while, while still under Chinese regime, asking people about him, uh, interviewing people about him, so much so that since they know him personally, uh, at least we get the first-hand uh, first uh, testimonies. And when they are dead and we can have the opportunity to open, at least we have it here. We call that extrajudicial process. This happened also with Kamomot. While the process has not started yet, what happened? There was uh, uh, a person who wanted to write something about him, Father Erickson Joshua. He wanted to write a biography uh, of, of him. So he interviewed people who were close to him, who knew him. He was able to gather, I think, 16, testi uh, 16 witnesses, right, shall we say, uh, first-hand witnesses. He was able to gather that, put that in right. Uh, actually, he, he taped that. But, but they were there. So 10 years later, when the process was open, we have those extrajudicial testimonies and they're included. They were transcribed. But we said that this was done before the process was open. So what could I advise to these people? If you know somebody who may have died, uh, somebody dead already, but he lived, shall we say, a holy life, the best is ask people to write something about him, to write those people who may have known him to write something about him, or they interviewed, they interviewed them uh, as far as the sanctity of this person is concerned. Because for you to for them to write, they may not be able to write. The best is somebody who may be interested of that. He asks them, he, he interviews them, knowing that they know so much of this person because they got, shall we say, acquainted with them while he was still alive. So that is what to be done. Uh, the documentation. The same thing also with a presumed miracle. Take for instance, this person eh, eh, may have a fame of sanctity, and suddenly there, there's a case of someone who may be at the shall we say, point of death, but they ask eh, the intervention of this, eh, the intercession of this person, since he's so, shall we say, so holy when he died. And uh, when they asked for the intercession of this person, effectively, uh, their prayer was responded. They had to gather the medical documents, all the documents to prove that he was already serious in a serious state and he was already supposed to die before they call on the intercession of this person, although the process may not, may not have started yet. So much so that when the process starts 10 years from now, 20 years from now, the documentation are kept. So that, that is the most necessary thing, the documentation here. No? You, you, you're leading me to this, uh, to this next question, Father. Because of, of, of your, uh, you know, your advice to, to be very thorough in documentation, 
I have to ask this question. How much of this process of saint making is divine? How much of it is human? Practically, the, uh, shall we say, the process to prove the heroic virtues, their documentation, that is human. That's work of man. Huh? That's work of man. Now, for the miracle, that is already the divine part. Uh, we will just document it, but actually, who did the miracle? So we many times we say, yes, we have already proven that he he lived a heroic, uh, uh, he practiced virtues in a heroic manner. But unless he does a miracle, we cannot do anything. The miracle is already his own making. So we ask people to go to him, ask for favor, and whenever they receive something, to tell us about it. Uh, we will help in the documentation, but uh, the miracle is to be done by that person, okay, or through the through the uh, intercession of that candidate. So that is the divine. Actually, there was a move or there was a proposal in the part of the postulators to remove this, uh, uh, to, to declare somebody blessed the moment uh, the heroic virtues are already uh, approved, that he's already venerable. So uh, they said, the possibility for him to be declared blessed. The Congregation for the Causes of Saints object in the sense that they said, miracle is the divine confirmation of his being a holy person. So that is the, the divine part. Father, uh, again, let's go back to Archbishop Komomot. How is that cause coming along? And what are the next steps? Progressing well. Progressing well. Uh, you know, Komomot's cause is a very simple one in the sense that he did not make quarrel with anybody. He did not make quarrel with the ecclesiastical authority. He did not make quarrel with anyone, layman. He was being quarreled. He was being, shall we say, subject uh, of, a, of a, some disagreement because of the way he lived his life, his generosity. So, yeah, as I said, easy to prove. The only thing is, as far as the commandment is concerned, we do not have so much pastoral documentation of him. One reason, he was only an auxiliary bishop. So he was not, the, shall we say, making circulars. That should, the, the circulars would be done by the, uh, by, the, uh, by the bishop himself. Okay? He was as an auxiliary and coadjutor. Then commandment was not really a theologian. He was more a pastor. He was, he was more pastoral in his approach. So uh, we did not have so much written. If ever there are, it's just, shall we say, out as is a, a sketch or how do you call that? A outline, outline, but not really theological thoughts that, they, we were, that we would be expecting from a bishop. Because as I said, he was not uh, a bishop, an ordinary bishop uh, or, or bishop is ordinary of the place. He was only auxiliary. Secondly, he was not really, not really meant for a theologian. He was just a pastor. So, but simple, simple. So there, we presented it. We hope that it will be approved. Uh, and if it, if it will be approved, we hope that it will be next year as part of our celebration for the 500 years. No? Father, and, and uh, so yeah, this is the last question, Father. I'm, I'm drawn so much because of because I, I I grew up around you, kayo sa OAR. I'm very much drawn 
by by the story and parang nakapanghinayang yung sa Talangpas sisters. What can still be done for that cause, Father? For their cause? One possibility is, kunyari, there may be a miracle through them. A miracle, kunyari, a clear miracle. Huh? Uh, and it's clear that it's through them. Perhaps something could be done. Something could be done. No? But uh, as for now, in fact, I, I invited the Mother General, where the, the one who coordinates for the, their cause, and another sister to go to Rome for us to talk to the Vatican, uh, to the, the person in Vatican, to the relator himself, because the relator is the one who has to write. So the very first thing he asks is, do you have documents? They say, I have this, I have that. <laughs> and the, the, doc- the relator said, look, sister, that's second-class document. Could you come up with one? In fact, the relator also told me, Father, just give me one, one document, which is, shall we say, a first-class document, perhaps written by them, or something uh, uh, written about them by the person who really saw them. I could not come up with any. I could not come up with any. So that's sad. Another, just so perhaps the possibility is they go on praying through her. Uh, they go on praying for her beatification, and they go on praying also that uh, that a miracle may come up. And who knows if it comes up? And there is clearly presented to be a miracle through them. Who knows? Undercovered. Because some stories just need to be told. Others told more. A few told more fully. Or perhaps in a different way. If not in another light. Welcome to Conversation about some of the stuff that's just undercovered. Undercovered.